Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its loads of nights. We fought our team through thick and thin and all those glory nights. And when the game is done, we'll sing a song and talk it out all night. Hey! Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow. You are the first team, the last Alright, season six, episode three of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, David Formell from Sussex. Good afternoon. And back for the first time on the podcast this season, Zoe Pearson from Watford. Hi guys, great to be back. Right, let's begin with yesterday. And Zoe, it seems that um, lightning does strike twice after all. I know, unbelievable, isn't it? It's almost written in the stars that it was going to happen uh, all over again. I watched the game yesterday and... It, it took me a good few hours. I mean, even this morning, I, I rewatched the game again to sort of work out exactly how I was going to break it down and sort of analyse it with you guys. But oh, it, unbelievable that it would happen again in in the way that it did. So um, t- talk us through. Um, David, David and I were both at the game, so obviously we've got a different perspective of, of VAR, but perhaps we can't fully appreciate it. But but watching it at home. Um, when the goal went in, what what were your emotions? Did you, I mean, did you feel that possibly it was dodgy, or or, or as soon as they scored, did 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 you think that was it? You know, we've we've lost, we've, we we're going to come away with 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 no points, or you know, did you have any have, have any inkling that the, the goal was perhaps dodgy and, and that it might go to VAR? Um, honest, honestly, at first, no. I mean, the the they they don't draw any particular attention to it before. The goal went in. It wasn't like it was mentioned in the build-up on the coverage on the TV or anything like that. Um, it was only when um, they then put it on the on the the replay, and I just got that instant sick feeling as soon as I seen the ball come across to the left-hand side of the box, and I thought, "Oh no," because it was exactly the same side that they scored from. Uh, in the Champions League, exactly that same style of the goal. I thought, oh no, please, please don't do this. And as soon as it went in, it was that instant, oh, drop in your stomach. Oh, not again, not again. And then it wasn't until um, they panned out over to a, a shot of Pep and Aguero sort of making up because I think there'd been some sort of issue between them on the touchline previously. And then um, it was just a case of, oh, hang on a minute, something's happened here. And then your ears sort of prick up and you think, hang on, what? Surely not. It, it, it can't have happened again. And lo and behold, you know, VAR comes to our aid again. And, you know, it's ugh, unbelievable. But it was exactly it was exactly as it was all those months ago. And you can't really believe it's mm. going to happen again. But it was exactly as it as it was. It made the feeling of, I think you know, beforehand we would have taken a point. I suppose you know a point at the Etihad is is a good result. Um, not many teams are going to go go there and, and, and come away with anything, and we would have taken a point. Um, and to think that we we were going to potentially come away with nothing right at the very end to go from that emotion to suddenly 
actually getting a getting a point, which a, a in itself is a good result, but b also it's, it's that whole VAR thing, and we, we, it's happening again to City. That that made that point even more sweeter. It, it, it felt almost like a victory. Um, David, there's been some discussion. I've been I've been watching this morning. Um, I mean, I think when, when we were coming back yesterday, drive, driving back, we had radio on, on a little, little bit, and, and we'd heard bits and pieces, people saying stuff um, about the decision. And I've watched a little, little bit more this morning, match of the day, and 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 Sky and and whatnot. And frankly, I'm a little bit pissed off at the whole thing. I'm pissed off at people's reaction that people are saying. Sort of, there almost seems to be a little bit of confusion here. A lot of people are saying that um, the new rock, new rules suck, and that shouldn't be a um, yeah, actually, that, that, that the goal should have been given. Um, the rea- for me, the reality of the situation is the rules are what they are. That the rules are the rules, and that wasn't. That was a handball, and the fact that we've got VAR just happens to highlight, you know, certain decisions which may have otherwise, you know, in in the past, if that if we didn't have VAR, that 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 goal would have, would have, would, have, would have been given. So, you know, I think that VAR did its job, and I think the rules were were implemented, and we we came away with with something which I think is fully justified. Yeah, I got back last night, um, early hours, and uh, I, I couldn't help myself. I put Match of the Day on the recording of it and watched it, and I can see what you're saying. Um, straight away, Alan Shearer uh, and co. all looked at it, and this is where it gets muddled with VAR and the new rules, and, it, and it's somehow VAR is getting the blame for it. It's like blaming the policeman, isn't it? You know, you, well, you know, it's your fault that I'm being arrested. Well, no, you, you've just broken the, the law, you know, and that's what it is. That The new guideline is absolutely clear on this one. I have to say there is no grey area. Now, whether you like it or not is something else. I understand that. If you turn around and say, look, end of the season, we're going to change how we apply handball. Fine, then do that. But... VAR simply did its job yesterday. It reviewed it. Didn't even. They're not asking the referee to go to the screen. No, nope, it's handball. It's all. Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, it's all part of. Um, you know, it's this system. Um, we wait for a few seconds. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think the way the pundits were all seeing it was that Man City had played so well they didn't deserve it. That's how it felt. Hmm. And, and Spurs really weren't weren't really worthy of of having anything out the game. So that seemed to that seemed to um, amplify people's opinions. And I, I I agree with you. I didn't like it. I've seen other opinions, and you do think, well, hang on a minute. Eric Lamella's goal, which I thought of its type, was a lovely goal. How simple was that? Was barely given a mention. They were all really sort of licking backsides of Man City and I, I, I didn't like it and it, in a sense it has twisted the whole view now with this because it's all happened again and it's happened to poor old Man City I mean for goodness sake they spent enough they deserve it don't they let's let's let, 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 let's let's actually talk about the game because for what it's worth I've I you know I'm not a fa- I've said it before I'm not a big fan of VAR and and it's great you know when we had the decision um go for us yesterday and uh, and and at the Etihad in, in, in the Champions League final, that, great, great but, feeling. But that's the point, Javid. It the VAR didn't go for you so much. It is it's job. just 
Yeah, it just did its job. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, this is the complication went, at the moment. It went for us insofar as if it didn't exist. If we if yeah. we went back to a world, then those goals would... would, would, yeah. would and, and particularly the one yesterday, I don't think there were many people that, that saw anything wrong in no. real time. No, our our players right. didn't, didn't protest. So in, in that sense... And I tell you what, there's going to be a, there's going to be an occasion further down the line where there'll be a goal, we'll score it in the last minute. We, we think we've come away with all three points and it turns out... And, and, and you know in days gone by it it would have stood and then suddenly VAR will will yep. do its job and it will and no, actually no the, 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 the the opposing team will come away with a sense of you know justice has been done um, I'm, look, I'm not a fan of it but it's uh, and partly I, I don't like I actually don't like the whole um, there's a school of thought which says uh, they were saying it on Match of the Day this morning I think it was on Match of the Day and they, they, were, they, were, they were saying that I think it might have been Shearer, and he was saying that um, it's taken away the entertainment out of football, and people aren't talking about decisions anymore. And you know, was it a goal? I couldn't give a monkey's. I've never really that side of the game hasn't interested me. What I care about is the football and the and the game that was played, and how we set up, and how we defended, and whether we did well or whether we did badly. And Lamella's goal, like you say, and and for, for the record, I think City were the better team, and I think that. They might feel hard done by, and I think they had their chances to to um, to, to beat us. As it was, they didn't take them, and 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 it was heading for two all, and it and it ended up two all. Um, well, that being said, we will talk a little bit more about VAR because there are some questions on on the running order. But but let's let's talk about the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Darren Darren Pamenter uh, just makes a point. Um, didn't play great. Got battered by City. Still come away with a draw. Great men- mentality and battling qualities. Um, and I think, yeah, playing City very early on in the season, we've got it out of the way. We've gone there, got a point, and I think that's that's really good. Um, I I was looking back at the looking back. Let's let's go go through all, all the goals. So, so the first goal that we conceded um, at the time, I felt Walker Peters was at fault. I felt that he should have picked up Sterling. I've looked back at it since, and I think that there are two things that strike me. I think one, firstly, sometimes you can't legislate for things like, you know, sometimes when the quality of football is so good, it's very difficult to defend and against. And I think City are very good at passing the, the, the ball around, slick short passes. The ball that De Bruyne put was superb. I thought that cross was just a peach of a cross. And Credit where credit's due. Sterling made a, 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 a run in the inside post and and and, and got got a head, header in. And I I thought at the time that Walker Peters should have picked him up. Look at it now, and I think that perhaps Sissoko should have trapped back the player who was on on the right hand side of, of of the field, the midfield marker, because the way we were set up, it was quite narrow. Um, the back four, so we were always going to be a little bit vulnerable um, in the wide areas. And if you look back at that clip, Sissoko is just sort of languishing in the middle of the park, and he's not picking up his runner. Yeah, we play that diamond formation now, and we we sort of lost that width that we were sort of renowned for for the last couple of seasons. You know, our fullbacks were once our strengths. And it's now very much a, a, a sign that teams can sort of start to exploit. Um, he he was vulnerable. Um, obviously, you know, 
without that width there, you know, he was sort of left one-on-one with Sterling a lot of the time. And, and City strength is that width where they, they literally are, um, they use the full width of the pitch to try and get in behind. And, and we were constantly vulnerable to that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of blame can go on to Carl Walker, Peter's young shows, but I think, you know, for a guy who's just finding his feet in the team, I think to, a lot of criticism. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we had Carl Walker who was, you know, making mistakes. But, you know, he's just sort of finding his feet in this team. And I think to pile all that pressure on him, and yeah, he did, you know, you can, you can look and, and, and think that, you know, had he not tracked his runner, then perhaps, you know, that first goal doesn't happen. But I think for the majority of the game, I think he handled himself well. I think the last last game, I think he also handled him, handled himself well. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's a shame. But then you know, you look at the the Mellor goal, and City were carved open just as just as easy as we were, you know. And and they're supposed to have the one of the best defenses in this in this country, if not world football. So, you know, every defender can make a mistake, and I think. Walker Peters is in a position whereby he can make a mistake, but he can also learn from it. And, mm. and I hope that that's something that he can take forward and he doesn't lose confidence because I think he's very much Pochettino's first choice now. Yeah. I, I can't see Serge, I can't see Serge, you know, pushing for that right back place. You know, he may, he may be out the door sooner rather than later. And obviously, you know, we've got Juan Foyth who can also cover there, but he's obviously not a natural um, right back, he's he's hmm. very much a centre half having to do a job there, and obviously with his injury at the moment, the onus does fall to Walker Peters. Um, but I'm I'm all for supporting him and and getting behind him because um, he's one of our own, and you know I don't see the point of of picking faults with him. And even if he does make a mistake, it's like I say, it's 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 mistakes that he can hopefully learn from and, and become a better player for it. Yeah, he look, he needs he needs game time. In, in the past, he's had the odd game here and there. Now he's got what he's had a few games in preseason. He's had two games, two Premier League games games on the trot. I think that's probably more than more Premier League games on the trot he's had in previous seasons. Um, and he's likely likely to play in the in the next few games with with Forrest being injured and and Serge seems a little bit out of the picture. Um, so he's he's only going to get better, and he's only going to hopefully improve and and learn from those mistakes in the way that, for example, Foyt did last season. And we all remember the the, the debut at uh, Wolverhampton. We um, started. He didn't have a great game. Um, I've actually thought I thought that he played well in that match, despite those mistakes. They were high profile mistakes, but aside from that, I think he did a lot of good things. Um, but Pochettino persevered, and, and I think it was the following week he had a good game and he scored against Palace. Um, what proved to be the winner. So, uh, yeah, you're spot on. I think regular football will will, will only help. Um, David, first and second goals. Uh, where did it all go wrong, or were City just that bit that bit better in their execution? Yeah, well, well, they they were. They're they're an excellent side. They're an excellent side of what they do. Um, to answer that question pretty directly. Uh, Zoe, yes, you're, you're absolutely sort of right in, in what you were seeing and, uh, and thinking. Um, the, allowing them to pass it too easily yesterday. 
too much space and they had loads more times where they actually had the ability to have time look up and pick their man they didn't um in fact if i were man city's coaches i, I would be very unhappy with them i i think they they should have um should have put us to the sword a lot earlier with the space we were giving them we weren't playing at all to our level and i didn't like the way we set up carl walker peters uh, had a very good game um, there's only one player that doesn't make a mistake and is the player that doesn't play. So, of course you're going to make a mistake. That's, that's, the, that's the way the game's played. You, you, you move the ball about until a player does lose his man and, and uh, just takes his eye off of him for a second. That's, what, that's how a game's played out. Second goal, you can quite easily dig out um, Toby for not picking up Aguero tight enough. He got in front of him. He got the jump on him and he wasn't ready. And and uh, and the second goal, Sanchez also should have been a little more to the left, keeping guard of that cross, mm. and he wasn't quite there to get his toe there. It's just those very, just those little moments. I, I mean, I would go, go a step back further, and I, and I say at source, um, the ball that was played that let De Bruyne get through and and cross it. I think we, we yeah. perhaps could have done more to stop that. Um, I, it, it felt a little bit like Winks within no man's land. For that goal, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. If you freeze frame it, you'll see at least one player too close to the near, say near post, but near side of the pitch where the ball is. Uh, as I talk about the first goal here, and when the ball goes back to um, De Bruyne, I mean he does place the best ball you you could ask for. At the, you know, it's 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 one of those you you just sort of yell out, "How do you like them?" when it drops down. Um, and, and you'd say, well, Sterling's probably not the right guy, but he, he again, he super header. But every man should have probably gone back six yards to pick up, which would have left Carl Walker-Peters further back and certainly in front of Sterling and, and in the, a better place. I'll say the right place, wherever that is, but mm. it's a better place. Uh, and, and that possibly wouldn't have happened. But there were three players, and I would think that um, De Bruyne was sort of in the corner of his eye, can see three men at that back post, and his eyes must have lit up. As soon as that ball rolled back, it was just so easy to knock it into that area. And saying that, it, it still was a fabulous ball in. But you're right, Javid, you can always go back. I mean, you can go back and back and back and say, well, why aren't we doing better um, by keeping the ball? We gave the ball away so easily, yes, so cheaply yesterday. I'll go back one more to say when the, with the lineup really, when I saw the lineup, um, my my reaction was, blimey, we're in for a long night because I just saw a four-five-one formation uh, by look of the players we'd, we'd got. Um, some people saw it that way. Some people saw it as a four-four-one-one, and on the Sky one, they set it up as four-two-three-one. So it's quite interesting, but it's very difficult with Man City and Spurs. Both have a, a game plan which is very fluid. Players are all over the place trying to move defenders. So to actually try and pick out what formation sometimes is very difficult. Liverpool are far more rigid in how they play. But certainly Spurs are, are, are very flexible. But yesterday, we did invite them on. Mm. And as you said, Zoe, um, we weren't. they play wide. You're absolutely right. Um, and they, they were comfortable with doing that. We stayed very compact. So when the ball went out wide, we'd got a lot of ground to make up to pick them up. And by the time we got there, they were just them just playing the ball in again and then little triangles. They, if you watch Man City play, 
and I'm not trying to boost back, but they are, I, I would suggest, one of the best teams, if not the best team in Europe at the moment. Um, but they play these little triangles, two-touch football. They pretty much only play the way they're facing. There's no little flicks with a heel and just round the corner that we were doing on the odd occasion, or it's very rare if they did. It's, it's football played very simply, and we allow them to do that. And I felt we should have been slightly wider, but I, I just think we feared that they would get in between um, centre-backs with their players, little little threaded balls through, so he stayed compact. But it you'd have to ask a question. It didn't work. But at the end of the day, we got two all. We got a point, and I'd have beaten your hand off yesterday for that result uh, before the game. So, you know, did we play it badly? Well, I don't know, but they had... You can look at it another way. They had 30 shots, scored two goals. 30 shots, which is the most we conceded in a game in the Premier League, I think, in, in a game. And yet we had three shots, two goals. So you look at that and you first we think, oh, blimey, we only had a tenth of their shots. That's terrible. But by, by the cringe... We were far more deadly, weren't we? We're mm. getting two out of three goals. <laughs> so, which which way do you want to look at it? But you know, we, your eyes do tell you that they had the vast majority of the game. We weren't good. We weren't set up right. And we came out that second half. I thought we changed things. We didn't. But I, you know, I thought once Moura came on, we then got an outlet that we didn't have. And I felt sorry for our back line, our midfield. When we did get it, we got nobody up there to really play it to. And we were trying to play little triangles. You know what Man City do. Six seconds to get the ball back. And they're all over us like a cheap suit. Looking back at performance yesterday, there wasn't a particular player, I think, that really stood out for us necessarily. Having said that, Lamella, fantastic goal. Um, to, to pull it back to one all fairly uh, early on. Um, and it was Lamella's corner that led to Morris header straight away, first touch when he when he when he came on. Yep. Um, just make you think, Lamella, if selected, which it was, might not necessarily be the first team on 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 the team sheet for everybody's fit, but we should just have him take corners um, <laughs> because he he can beat the first man, and he yes. has got a good delivery. Yep. Makes a change, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, it's, I know it's very early in the in the season, and this is a little bit tongue in cheek. But um, uh, Kent Goodrich makes a point. His Twitter handle is at Kent Goodrich. He says, "We're winning the fucking league, aren't we?" There has to be there has to be something. I know it's early days, but you know, going to places like Man City, not playing particularly well, and picking up a result—that is, without Son, without Ali, and and without Son. He, he's pretty deadly with Man City. Mm. They don't like him. He's dangerous. Um, last season, that game, um, three days after the quarterfinal of the Champions League, I think we should have come out with at least a point on that game. They were very nervous. Son was... Had he finished the chances he had, um, I, I think we could have taken all three points that day. Um, we are the nemesis of Man City. Yeah. Um, I, I, why, why, why not? I mean, this stage of the season, you have to believe we've gone up there. Um I think Liverpool must, you know, for, for one particular moment, Liverpool actually like us, which is one of the few clubs that do at the moment because Man City certainly hate us by now. Mm. <laughs> I think at this point in the season, it's about standing toe-to-toe with these teams. You know, nobody's really going to see how the table 
and and the standings and where we where we're going to sit, you know, for the remainder of the season to you know a good sort of five ten games into the season. But you know, to go to a ground where I can't see many people or many teams, should I say, going to the Etihad and coming away with with anything. And to do that this early in the season, putting a marker down, and to be under the cosh as much as we were, you know, uh, and I, you know, I agree with what David was saying. You know, you know, you're almost sort of waiting for because if the shoe was on the other foot, you're sort of waiting for the criticism of, well, you know, why weren't they putting their chances away? Well, you know, they they could have put this team to the sword, the amount of chances they had, but it's almost sort of, you know, that sort of brushed aside of, you know, forget that. Um, that City had 30 chance, thirty chances to sort of put us to the sword and they didn't. You know, every chance we had. And, and the thing is, we always say, and the amount of times I've been on the pod where we say, oh, we should we just been a bit more clinical? You can't get much more clinical than what we did yesterday, as much as poor as we were, especially in that first half. But to have, was it three shots? Three shots at yep. goal and, and to put yep. two in net? One of, those, one of those shots was Kane, wasn't it, from inside yeah. our own half? I, I, I don't think you. I don't think really you can get much more, much more clinical. You know, it's it's about putting away the opportunities when they arrive. And and you know, credit to to Lamella. You know, he 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 took his opportunity, and and it was a great finish from him. And then obviously Lucas Mora took him what fifteen seconds was it from getting nine, off the bench? Nine, to, nine. Was nine. Was it nine seconds? Oh nine my goodness. seconds. So from getting off the bench to to putting to heading that goal in, I mean, that is that really is the definition of taking your chances when they come. And and if that if that's the case, and oh, I'd love to see that Tottenham every week. You know, as much as we were under the cosh, and there's no doubt. And like you say, that City are a great side, but I I I don't think you can you can disregard Tottenham's performance in the in the fact of you know. Yeah, maybe you were dominated for for the best part of of ninety minutes, but that's not really the stat that matters. At the end of the day, it's the it's the little um, numbers in the top left hand corner that really, at the end of the day, are, are what matter. Mm. Yeah, I think getting a point yesterday is really really important. Whilst it's early in the season, there's still a lot of lot of football to be played. You contrast our start this year compared to last season. Okay, different circumstances. Obviously, they're back of the World Cup with all these players getting into the latter stages, not having a proper pre-season. But but last season, our first two games, um, we beat Newcastle and Newcastle away and Fulham at home. Okay, the sort of games that you're you're expected to win, but you still have to win those and you you can always slip up. Um, This season, I suppose the equivalent of those matches was, was Villa at home. Fine, we won that. This is a game which last season we got we didn't get any points out of away from home. We lost one nil and we lost, I think it was one nil at Wembley as well last season. Um, and effectively city got three points, like six points over, over the course of those two games. And we came away with nothing. So to, to whilst we, after two matches, we have less points than we did at this stage last season. Um, and we may still have going into the next two games. We've got Newcastle at home. Let's say we win that. And then we've got Arsenal away. So just for sake of argument, let's say we draw that. We'd end up with four after four games with less, less points than our first four last season. But we what, what we've done is go to a place like Man City and 
come away with something and also in the process prevented um, City from getting the, the, the four points and I think that could be telling over the course of course of the season um, you know, famously last year we, we hardly drew any matches I think we drew, we drew one game possibly Everton no two games at Arsenal at Wembley and then I think Everton on the final day of the season but we, but we you know, whilst we won quite a fair few games we also lost quite a lot and if we can cut out the defeats this season, and hopefully yesterday that 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 was a sign of that going forward, then we will be hopefully better placed to challenge you know, the likes of Man City. Um, let's go back to VAR. Uh, we must. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's still a talking point. Um, <laughs> uh, question from Andy Rockhall. He says, when discussing VAR. Please don't forget that City were given a penalty that probably shouldn't have been given last season. That's Danny Rose um, in the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinal. And they also felt robbed and felt robbed by one that was justifiably given. That was Lorente, I think, I believe, in the second leg of the quarterfinal. And then he just goes on to say, oh, and today's decision was correct. Um, and yeah, then but- jump. Sorry, and then John Steggles also just says, "Just think if Aguero hit the penalty awarded by VAR on the dubious Rose handball, City probably would have got to Madrid," which is a fair point. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Now the point being is that uh, the Lorente handball yesterday, last night on Match of the Day, both Alan Shearer, um, Gary Lineker, and and I can't think of the other guy's name um, escapes me for a moment. Danny Murphy. Um, Danny Murphy, Danny thank you, thank you. Um, all three of them were absolutely fuming that that handball um, is given. It's, it's no way on a football field should that be given. So they've just backed up that Lorente's was definitely a fair goal. By that statement, and of course last season it was, that was okay because the change is for this season. Um, and this season is quite clear, as I said before, that they, anything that scores a goal touching the hand no goal. And it is odd that the fact that the defender can handball it in the same way, it could have been because there were two arms out there, you just happened to hit um, the, the Man City's arm. Um, so that is that is disallowed. Had it hit the defender's arm in the same way, that would have been dismissed as not, um, not a penalty. And it's a bit odd. I, I, I can't argue that, but that's got nothing to do, once again, nothing to do with VAR. It just happens that VAR picked it up. And everybody's going on about VAR and it's spoiling it all. It could have been the linesman that picked it up. If the linesman have flagged it, are they all going to say, can we not have a linesman anymore? Because this is just spoiling the game. So true. It's so true. So, so true. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, it, it keeps getting complicated with VAR, what we don't like about the handball. Fine change the handball at the end of the season I, I, I'm all for it, we're something that we can all agree with perhaps Unbelievable but you know, I think I agree with you there David, you know if there's one thing I could also uh, make a, a point of, especially about the whole VAR, VAR situation was, was, you know, and especially on things like social media, like I'm, I'm fully aware that the irony is not lost on places like Twitter mm. but the amount of um, Man City accounts of people that have been fans for such a long time from say, I don't know, 2012 onwards most probably um, <laughs> you know the real hardcore City fans that have been there through the tough times and 
the amount of tweets that I was seeing on my timeline, and I wasn't responding because I, I don't I don't like to get into things like that on Twitter. I, like, I, I can debate and, and have a conversation with somebody, but if you're posting moronic things, then I, I won't get into it with you. But the amount of tweets that I saw saying, um, oh, VAR is ruining the game. The game's ruined because of VAR. Well, hang on a minute. Let's rewind this a second. VAR is not ruining football. What's ruining football is your oil-based club. The money coming from it—that's what's ruining football for the for the majority of the fans. That's what is that is the issue in football. VAR is a is a is a drop in the ocean compared to you know the 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 oil-laden club the way that your club is run. That is what is ruining football. You know it's it's. It's so. You, you must, they can't see the wheat from the trees by putting something like that on there, and you sort of think, how how can you genuinely post something like that and and not expect a response back from fans? Going, um, yeah, okay, because VAR is the issue here. You know, but, I understand, but it doesn't go your way. You're going to be disappointed, and you're going to want to look to blame somebody else. But you know, to say that it's ruining the game, the game was gone a long time ago. As soon as Roman Abramovich chucked his money at Chelsea. The game was starting to go from the game that I uh, that I loved as a kid, and it's and it's not the same as it used to be anymore. And and that's that's part of the problem. I think a lot of it is an adjustment process, and and especially a lot of the pundits. You know, I or kept I kept hearing yesterday. Oh, you know, it's it's not as it used to be, and, and you know we're having to adjust to things too. But things evolve and change all the time, and football is exactly like that. Football changes all the time. It's about adjusting to those changes, and and, and you know you can't throw your toys out of the pram if it doesn't go your way. Mm. Yep. Uh, another one from John Stiggles, uh Twitter handle at JW Stiggles. Um what percentage was Ericsson performing at? Um, changed the game last week. Absolute pony this week. Yeah, I think that's pretty unfair. Um, but I, I, you see, once again, we're looking for... Uh, sorry, John, but <laughs> we're always looking for scapegoats in a sense. Yep, you, you can't argue it. And when he did get it, they were, like the rest of them, they were struggling to find their passes and, and giving it away far too cheaply. But I'm, if I'm going to blame anybody, it's not so much the players... I will blame Poch because he had to have set them up to defend um, this game. And, and, and something I said yesterday um, to, to the guys that are sitting next to me, that um, when... Uh, I just got out of my mind what I was going to say there. Um, when you play Man City three times, as we did towards the end of last season, we know each other too well. We didn't get the best out of it all, although we did get through in the Champions League, the important one, but only through the away goal. So we had to do something to change something. And and he rolled the dice. So it, it threw me when I saw the lineup and I thought, well, that's going to be, as I say, it could be a long day. We're going to defend this one. That's going to be interesting. But like everybody else, I'm sure we couldn't see the outlet because we hadn't got the pace. Now, if you've got more on from the start, you turn around and say, well, OK, we thump it up in the air, down the field, and we get more to chase after it. bit rudimentary, but if you know that, that could work. But we didn't even have him on. So it gave all the players a really hard day. And I'm, and I'm not going to blame... I certainly don't blame because I thought Carl Walker-Peters had a good game. Um, 
he had one of the trickiest wingers and, and quickest wingers to to deal with and I thought he did it pretty well most of the time he got caught out a couple of times with by him I think um but they were all over Ericsson for strength purpose. He needs a little bit more time than that. And they, they were being quite strong. He did get bounced away quite a few times. That's not his game. If you ask Ericsson to play in Sheffield United lineup, I think he would get lost in that a little bit. He, he needs quality players around him that make the right runs and he'll find the right balls. And yesterday wasn't right for him. So I, I, I don't think he was dealt a great hand by the manager. Uh, and I think we got it wrong. And I was surprised at halftime we came out. And there didn't seem any change to the way we were playing until we brought Mora on. Um, and of course, it, I'm sure he didn't expect him to score in nine seconds with his head. And, and beat Carl Walker in the air to, to boot, which is a pleasure from my point of view. Um, so it was a bit of an odyssey, but I'm not going to drag Ericsson out for it. And I, at the same time, Against Aston Villa, where we all turn around and said, and even the pundits say, "Oh well, look at that, Ericsson. He should have. If he's played from the start, you know, we'd have won this, would we? Or did he come on when Aston Villa actually were starting to tire? Yeah. And um, and he's just the right moment. And that's the thing with Mora. Did he come on yesterday? Just at the, as it turns out, just at the right time. We can all play a game, this imaginary game in our heads that had Mora started, we may well have won three-one. Maybe we could have done. Or if we'd started Ericsson last week, it would have been 4-0. But it could just as easily be lost both games had we started with these players. Who knows? We'll never know. But I'm pleased with 3-1 last week. And I'm absolutely overjoyed. And I was overjoyed. I came skipping out the stadium. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I just it was like a win to me. Like yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the Man City supporters didn't see it the same way, and it was all kicking off outside the stadium. Yeah, there's, there was a lot of that yesterday, both inside and outside the stadium. I, I read also somewhere on Twitter, um, uh, there was a lady, a Spurs fan, who mentioned that um, a City fan punched her, which wasn't particularly clever. Um, a teenager did that. Um, fortunately, um, there is a photo of the said person, so hopefully... Um, the authorities will, will act accordingly. Um, uh, Ericsson, I think City, they are that good, and they played really good yesterday, and they stifled us, and they didn't allow us to play collectively, so that made it difficult for not just Ericsson, but for other players to, to perform and, and to get any rhythm going. Um, I think Ericsson is at his very best when he's playing in a more advanced position, so if we, for example, if we go with a... 4-2-3-1 as opposed to a diamond and he's one of that three and he's pushing and we're pressing high up the pitch then I think in the final third he's, he's more creative as a number 10 as opposed to in a deeper role in a sort of number 8 type role and yesterday I think also I asked you this David after the game and and I looked at it again since on TV and I was struggling to see who was playing that. I could see on the right hand side we had sort of Sissoko in front of um, Carl Walker-Peters but I wasn't quite sure who we had on the left hand side I think it was possibly Ericsson maybe Winks I'm not entirely sure and I felt we didn't there was a little bit of an imbalance on, on that side and mm. and I think that the nature of the way that we set up it meant that we were trying to be compact and try, trying to trying to stifle City and hit them on the break. Um, as it was, we were compact, but they 
they ended up we didn't really have the suppose the personnel particularly with with Mora on the being on the bench and Son not being available to hit them on the break with pace and as it was I think their quality their their just their sheer quality and their passing stifled us and made us really on the back foot and made us difficult to even when we did have the ball to break out of the box hence I think the you know the likes of Ericsson weren't able to play play their game um Another one from Kent Goodrich. Has Jesus had a worse result since Jerusalem away 2,000 years ago? <laughs> that was a particularly tough game, Jerusalem away 2,000 years ago. Yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it was a tough crowd, I could tell you that. Yeah. It was a tough crowd to, to please. <laughs> Very good, that. I do like that. <laughs> um, when I read that question, that did make me laugh. But, you know... <laughs> Just bring it back to football quickly about um, Gabriel Jesus. That's the second time he's been sort of done over by VAR. He didn't get instant VAR machine when he nearly knocked it over. Yes, there is a video. There's a video somebody's put together on on, on Twitter. I'll send you it later if you've not already seen it. And it's basically a montage of clips from the, um, the, 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 the Champions League quarterfinal and and yesterday of you know the reaction City when they scored and. On my occasion when they scored yesterday, and then the reactions are, you know, when they're celebrating, and then the disappointment. And somebody in there put that clip of Jesus when he's playing for Brazil, um, and he's sort of walking down the tunnel and, and kicking a camera or something in frustration. So it's all, it's all there. Um, just quick thoughts on Jan Vertonghen. So, you know, beforehand, everybody was sort of discussing, well, would he be included? Would he be in the starting lineup? Well, um, last week he, he didn't even make the bench. Yesterday he did make the bench, but not the starting eleven. So I've got a theory on this, and everybody, nope, none of us know the real answer. Nobody knows yeah. um, what's going on behind the scenes. We can speculate and say that it's that it's a contractual thing, or he's fallen out with Pochettino, or that it's a football-relating thing. So nobody has monopoly on the truth. Nobody knows exactly what's going on. Um, having said that, I've got a theory, and it's only just a theory, and I, and I can't back it up, or, or um, I, yeah, it, it could be wrong. It might even be a combination of things, who knows, but I, I put it down to a footballing reason, which I think it, it's the following, that uh, if we play with a back three, well, it's a no-brainer. You play Vertonghen, you play Sanchez, you play um, Out I think if we're going to play with a back four, for most part of this season I wouldn't be surprised if Sanchez is now the regular starter in that rather than it being Alderweireld and and Vertonghen and Sanchez trying to force his way into that I think that Sanchez because he's he's the future he's what 23 um, if you look at him he's bulked up as well since he's been here at Spurs you know he's improved he's still he's still a young man um, and and he's the future and we I uh, Pochettino no doubt wants to bed him into the team and and start that process of rebuilding the team going forward. And rebuilding, I don't just read that as certain players, uh, you know, uh, uh, either surplus to requirements or want to move on and we can't keep them and and, and all of that. I think it's it, it, even if we don't didn't sell certain players, I think any team after a period of time you you rebuild and you start to look at the future. So I think Sanchez. It's the future, and we're looking to bet him in. He's also got pace, so then, therefore, it means that really, it's who do you partner him with? And I think it's it's just it, then it comes down to, well, it's either Toby or or Jan. And, and actually, frankly, it's, for me, it's a toss of the coin between those two. I mean, they're both solid players. There's hardly anything in, in between it. You could make a case for Jan because he's left-footed, and that would give 
the team balance, then he can switch to, to, to the cover the fullback position when when you know Ben Davis or Danny Rose is, is pushing up. I, I I get that logic. Um, you could also, and I wonder whether, given our tendency to want to play with a high line, whether you look at it and you think, well, right, well Sanchez is going to start because he's the future and he's got the pace. And perhaps Vertonghen, I mean, he's a year older than Alvarez, perhaps he's slowing down. And perhaps Pochettino's looking at it and he thinks, well, you know what? I've, you know, I've, I've monitored both players closely um, as they do, you know, in training, and he, and they've got, they've all got them wired up so they can look at the stats and look at their fitness and look at, you know, their speed and and, and agility and all of that sort of thing. And Alvarez maybe a little bit quicker than than than, than Jan, and Jan's possibly slowing slowing down. And unless we're playing with a sort of low block, then it makes sense to play Alvarez with a high line that being said i think that if that if that's correct that, that, that's my school of thought and if that's correct all i'd say to that is he's aging that doesn't mean to say there isn't a part for him at spurs i think you know we, we play we've got a squad and it's important we utilize it and i think there will be lots of opportunities further along in the season for 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 Jan to come in, if you contrast, if you compare that to Man City, for example, I know the situation is slightly different because of the player had injuries. But company in the latter years, he wasn't playing every game. He was, they were playing him in certain matches, in big matches. But he came in and he did a job, and he realised that you know he couldn't play as many games. Now I know that's that's more down to injury rather than anything else. But it might just be they're looking at the situation with Jan. I think well, you know, he's, he's a little bit older, he's a little bit slowed down, and perhaps also maybe his fitness levels aren't at this point in early August as sharp as they will be. Situation might change in a few weeks. So that's my school of thought. I don't know if there's anything more than that. I can't add anything to that. Um, uh, I, I, to say it's guesswork, Javid. I, I just look forward to the closing of the European window. So mm-hmm. we sort of, at least we know till January where we are. And I think things may settle down after that. He may be Pochettino, he doesn't like players who are not buying into his um, project, whatever you want to call it, his ethos. Sort of, he likes a settled squad, and it is a shame that we've had this unsettling. I know Manchester United have got it themselves, but the likes of Liverpool, Man City, on the face of it, don't seem to have that sort of um, behaviour behind the scenes. That they're, they're, they're paid so well that's what it seems to me they're paid so well that they'll just stick their backsides on the on the bench and say yes thank you very much although Aguero did seem to um what he was he was arguing like mad about coming off he had a right old paddy with his manager pep goodness me but uh, other than that i mean i, I yeah just settle down that's what i want to see and then perhaps will the picture will become clearer Absolutely. With that window closing um, in European window in a, in a fortnight, second of September, week to, two weeks tomorrow, um, Zoe, are there any players you envisage leaving the club? Will Jan, for example, leave? That we, we've, we've, we've just, you know, is, is there anything more to it? Perhaps maybe it's not footballing reasons. Maybe it's contractual stuff. Um, Ericsson, who we mentioned earlier, who, who do you see? I was going to say who do you see coming and going, but there won't be anybody coming. Who do you see going, if if, if at all, anyone? Um, I think. I think, like you say, I think Ericsson's future is very much up in the air at the moment until that window shuts. Um, I see potentially Wanyama possibly heading out, maybe on loan. And Kudu perhaps could go. Um, 
I'm sort of trying to think of like the real sort of fringe players. Mm-hmm. I think sort of Nkudu, Wanyama. I, I, I hope Ericsson stays. I, I you know I, I hope that the window passes by and he's and he's still um, in amongst the squad because I think if you take him out of that um, midfield selection, even even if Wanyama departs, I think you know we have a we have a great selection of like real options now, you know real quality. You know, in that in that midfield option, I think you take Ericsson out, and and, and I, I don't see how that I don't see how that benefits us because it it does weaken us in 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 a sense. Even though we bought well, and and I think the players we bought in, uh, we are going to utilise well as as part of the squad. But um, I think it's important that you know certainly people that are in the first team picture and, and have been consistently for the for the past few years remain. And those that are maybe going to be seeing less football, so the likes of Wanyama, who, you know, two or three years ago, we couldn't see him, you know, being dropped out of the team. But it's just that, unfortunately for him, injuries have have been such that they've taken their toll on him. Um, And GK, you know, I can't see... I can't see any benefit of him staying around and just being an, another number. He he needs to he needs to sort of go and get you know first team football either with a loan or or with a permanent move ideally because you know he clearly is not part of Pochettino's long term plans. Yeah, um, the trouble is we we loaned him out to Burnley the season before last, and I I think we did we loan him out to somebody abroad earlier this in, in Monaco. the second half. Monaco. Right. And nobody wants them, and uh-huh. I, 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 I just, I just, I wonder whether I'd, I'd, I, you know, I hope, I hope we can get rid of him completely, um, sell him. I don't care whether it's even for five hundred thousand. We, we make a loss on him. I just, you know, get, get him, get him out of the club, get him off the, of, of the, of the uh, way that just, you know, uh, slip us to requirements. Um, but I just can't see anybody coming in for, um, yeah. No, that's how it feels. That when Yama possibly I could see him going, but I can't see. There was he was linked with Bournemouth earlier on, but we can't sell him to no. an English club. So you know, uh, I have not heard of any, anybody Sorry, abroad coming. Sorry, Galatasaray. I heard we're in for Yama. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's sad what's happened with him, but he. he that just looks broken, and if a club from abroad comes in for him, great. Um, I mean, there's other players like Carter Vickers, etc. You know, going further, looking at the fringe players. Um, there was a report on Talk Shite um, about Ericsson going to Madrid for sixty million. Is that likely? Can either of you see that happening? Nope. I can't see it happening. I think they want Pogba. Um, that's their first choice. And I don't think Madrid will go for their second choice um, if he is second choice. Uh, I just don't see it. And I don't see them paying that sort of money either um, with only less than a year to go on his contract. Mm. Um, I just don't I just don't see that. Uh, I, I, my, I could be wrong, but my guessing, which is a long shot, um, is he'll still be here uh, come Christmas time anyway. Is there anybody, David, that you see going in this window? No, I don't. I've got that feeling that nobody's going. 
uh, in the end. I don't think too many clubs are, are looking our way. Um, it's uh, and it looks like a fire sale sometimes when you see <laughs> the social media. How many players are, are going to be leaving? Yeah, I think that you know, aside from the sort of fringe players, you know, whether anybody can come in for Nkunku, possibly a Wanyama, and I mean, that's just yeah. You know, if somebody comes in and they agree terms, then fine, I can, that will happen. But of the sort of main like first team players, I think Toby will stay. Unless we there's something that we don't know, I think Jan will stay. I mean, I could start a good rumour here, uh, which would sound plausible, um, that Jan and Toby go to Anderlecht. <laughs> and join... Is it Vincent, yeah. is it, is it, is Vincent, Vincent Company, yeah. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, no. You can see that. I, mean, I, I, could, I could make a plausible argument. If I started it, said, I've heard a rumour. You know, when, when you start to sort of... Well, why would you go there? Well, because Vincent Company's there and they're all good mates. They all play for Belgium. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's very difficult. You can easily start a rumour like that, can't you? And I just I th- started one. Yeah, I think... I'm going to stick my head out here. I think that... I think Sergio might be off. Yes, that, that's, that's that one that's around today, was it? Back to PSG, yeah. was the rumour. Yeah, I... Do you know why? And I, we discussed it yesterday on the way up, David, and... and, and and you said, and rightly so, and the logic dictates, well, no, why would we? We've just lost Kieran Trip here. We haven't bought a right, right back in the summer. We're not going to buy right back. So that just leaves us with Carl um, Walker-Peters, fine. And Foy Fuse, obviously injured at the moment. Um, you know, crazy time to sell Serge Aurier. I just, I've not, never really been convinced by him. Um, he's hardly featured. He's supposedly been injured, but you know, I think he made the bench last week. Yesterday, he didn't even make the bench. He, he's one of these players who's very active on social media. Generally, he uh, hasn't been. He hasn't been recently, uh, and that just tells me that maybe he's not completely happy or himself, and he's looking to move away. Uh, could be way off the mark and and and, it, and he's been it's been mentioned like you say PSG today so I uh, that's one um, Ericsson I really don't know some days I think yep he's going to go to Madrid other days I think he's going to stay the, the, the thing that I struggle I can see I can see him go to a club like Madrid I can see them putting in a bid for him and so I think 60 million is actually cheap but like you say they could get him for nothing they can get it from nothing in January if they sign a pre-contract, if he signs a pre-contract agreement with them. Um, I, the, the thing that I struggle with with Ericsson is if he doesn't go in this window, are we going to lose him on a free next summer? Really? I mean, I can see possibly Toby going on a free or Jan. They're a bit older. But are we really going to lose what What will he be next summer? 27, 28-year-old, still peak of his game. Mm. Or is he going to sign a contract? That's that's the aspect of it that I struggle with, and I wonder if you know if a club comes in for a bid, let's just say Real, um, whether we'd say, yep, we we like him, we really want him to stay, but if his heart's not in it and and he wants that move, then it makes sense to to, to move him on. I don't know. I really, really no, don't know. I don't we'll be we'll be all day and all night with guessing and get no further. Unfortunately, it is a shame we can't know because the moment um, we, we know any information, other clubs will know, and it would distort the values and all sorts. And clubs will play games with us. Mm. So um, clearly, we're we're, never, we're going to be very far from the truth. And it seems sometimes even Pochettino's never sure. So da- Danny Rose, 
I mean, he was famously, Pochettino said he didn't go to the tour in Asia because he was going to be given time to speak to other clubs. And then nothing happened there. There was talk of him possibly going to PSG. And then suddenly he's included in the Audi, Audi Cup squad. And, and now he's played the last two Premier League matches. Any possibility that he might leave in this window? And again, obviously, if it does, it will be abroad. Of course there is. Of course there's every chance. But um, if a club comes in, I can't answer any more than that. Um, But I I can't see him going abroad. I must admit, in my best guess, I can't see Danny going abroad. Um, I don't think it would suit him. But at the same time, he might have to wait till January. What other club? This is the point. We're certainly at least third best in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah. At, at broad terms, I know we could end up a long way off that, and I'm not trying to preempt where we are going to finish necessarily. But um, we've got Champions League this season, and we've got a very good chance Champions League next season. What other club in this country in the Champions League is going to sign Danny? Mm. Nobody. Nobody. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I also wonder whether the player, I wonder whether the player himself, if a, if if a club comes in for him in this window, European club, even in even previously domestic clubs, whether the player himself was likely to agree personal terms. I I, I see a very confused individual there. I yes. see somebody who's maybe not fully happy in themselves. Mm. I think I think they. Yeah. I think they want to. I, I don't think they fully appreciate what they've got at Spurs, and I think that they want something else elsewhere, and that's fine. But I don't know if the grass is greener for them, uh, and and I don't know that they'd be happy. And I, and I think when 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 the reality comes and, and a club comes in for them, for the, 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 the Rose, I don't know that he's. I think in that situation when it's like right. Here's your chance. Where he weighs it up and he thinks, oh, you know, I don't actually fancy a move abroad, or mm, don't really fancy it, Everton or whoever it might be. Uh, Zoe, can you start a rumor? Well, I mean, I can, I can, I can sort of contribute to one that already was was going, which, which in terms of Danny, was that on wasn't it on transfer deadline day? He was he was in my local team's yeah, training Watford. ground, yeah. Watford. You know, uh, there was that there was that rumor that he was. You know, or that there was conversations at the very least between Watford and Spurs for, for Danny Rose. And again, I, you know, you sort of question, well, you know, where is it, where is his head at? You know, what, would he really really consider going to Watford? You know, and I, you know, no disrespect, you know, I love my 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 hometown, but you know, you can't you can't compare the football the football teams of, of Watford and, and 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 Spurs and and what we could we could offer Danny and. You know, it seems like Pop just completely done a U-turn on it, and you know, it's not like he's sitting on the bench. And you know, you know, things may be different when Davis is 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 back. Sort of, I know he's he was on the bench uh, yesterday, and you know, when when Davis is fully fit, I think then you know we'll see where where Pochettino's heart really lies with Danny. But at, at this point, I, I don't see. The benefit of, of of moving Danny anywhere because of you know if like you say if if you apply the same theory with with Sanchez and and Yan and you sort of say well you know we have to you have to face the difficulty of, of potentially moving sort of the old boys on in that you know Yan and Danny are of Tottenham of 
of of a few years ago and and Dave's then becomes sort of number one choice you, you know I don't think we'll we'll really see where Potch's head is with with Danny until Davies comes back and if Davies comes straight back into the team you know that that Danny is is surplus to requirements but at this point you know with with Ben having the the hernia operation I I don't see that Potch you know can can really gamble on that he has to rely on 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 Danny Rose to to sort of be part of his plans now because you know it's one thing having you know limited right back options to have limited right back and left back options I, I think I think that's 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 borderline silly it really is actually and and, and that's it could be detrimental for us going forward it's all right we can play Jan at left back that's true um that's true. it's quite interesting what you're saying there actually Zoe. I just quickly I don't want to harp too much on this one because it's all conjecture at the moment but it's interesting that Davis, whom there's never been any rumour about moving, is happy, he's been a great lad, he's sat on the bench, he's been patient, he's still quite young, five-year contract, mm-hmm. that's a reward. That's a reward. It's funny how the others haven't been rewarded, the ones that we think that are um, haggling for a move or something. So there's clearly something not right. Otherwise, um, Danny would be offered a good contract, but... He won't be until, really, he, he commits himself and settles. There is a possibility that if in this window, this European window, and then the window in January, uh, if, we, if we get through this European window and all these players are here, great. Um, and then the next the next, the next, next window will, will, will be the domestic window in January. Um, there is a strong possibility that come next summer, we could lose Jan Vertonghen, Toby Adverald, Christian Eriksen and Danny Rose. Sorry, no. The, just those, just those, just those players, uh, Christian Eriksen, on on free transfers. Um, if we don't shift them and if they don't sign contracts, um, that's just, yeah, well, that's that's a pos- po- possibility. Looking further ahead, the following summer, we could lose. Well, actually, the following summer, Danny Rose's contract comes to an end. Eric Dyer's contract comes to an end, and so does Victor. Wanyama. Of those three players, Wanyama, Dyer, and Rose, contracts end in twenty summer of twenty twenty one, which seems a long way away. But before you know it, it's next summer, and then we'll, if those players are still at the club, we'll find ourselves exactly in the same situation as as we do right now with with Eriksson, Adabald, and Vertonghen. Can you see any of those three players signing a new contract? Eric Dyer, Wanyama, Danny Rose. I think it depends on the amount of game time that that, that they get out, out of the out of the three. I would I would say that my I would be leaning more towards Dyer. Yeah. Only for the fact of how versatile he is, you know. And I always hark back to when Poch first signed um, Dyer. He was one of his first players that he bought in, and I always look at Dyer look at Dyer as sort of the mould of of how um, Pochettino wanted to build Spurs. You know, young. Because um, he still is, he still is fairly young, isn't he, Dyer? He's not. He's, mm. he's still only in his sort of early to mid twenties. Yeah. Um, I know. I know he's been unlucky with with illness and injury in the last season. But you know, um, out of the three, I think he's he's the one whose head's you know mainly here. You know, I mean, you can never say for sure with with, with certainty with any player. But you know, he always seems to to say the right things in the press 
you know he's he, he seems to, to sort of say what the fans want to hear and uh, you know and he does come in for a lot of criticism dyer but you know you can't you can't fault his his desire and, and his will to 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 fight for for the club and and out of those three i would say you know if i was to offer any of them a contract i think obviously injuries permitting i, I would say that that dyer would be the first on that list to to secure his long-term future here just just because of and i know that versatility can can kill a player in in that you know, you're never secured of a, of, a, of a first team place, and you can never really secure your role. But you sort of need players like Eric Dyer within the squad, so that if push comes to shove and, and we are um, stretched with injuries, you know, you can you can put an Eric Dyer right back, or you can put yeah. him at centre back, or you can play him at centre defensive midfield. And although you might you might not necessarily get a, a hundred out of a hundred performance. You'll you'll certainly get a good seventy five eighty from him in, in whichever area area he plays and, and, and you can't you can't source players like that. That you know, they come around sort of once in a blue moon and you have to hold on to them, I think. Mm. I think you're right. I've spot on. I think of all the, the three players I mentioned, I mean, he's the only one that's likely to Yeah. I can I can see signing a contract, yes for his versatility and Yeah. And 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 I think he's a good, good squad player, but 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 potentially, and if you throw in the three that the the Alavarels, uh, the Tongan and Ericsson, his contract's going to run out this summer. If you include them in the mix, so that's six players over the course of two years. Um, I've done the math correctly. I can the one I can only really see signing a contract is Dyer. Possibly, possibly Ericsson and. The Tongan Alderweireld might sign extensions, but I wouldn't be surprised if we if we lose the the majority of those six players over the course of two years, and then it just goes back to what we were saying about Pochettino and and a rebuilding exercise. It's not going to happen all in one window, but over the course of time, um, we're going to start to. I can see a situation where the likes of Sanchez, uh, Harry Winks. Um, Delhi Ali, Harry Kane, Son um, are going to be the sort of nucleus. Fourth, possibly, are going to be the nucleus of, of the team going forward. Mm. Yeah, it will be. Newcastle next Sunday, week today. Um, great time to be playing them. Um, they've what zero points out of two matches. Yep. They yep. look pretty. Wo- I just saw a little bit of it on match today this morning. They look pretty wo- woeful. Um, Dave, if I come to you first, you, you, you spend a, some time over the course of the year in, 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 in Newcastle and, and I follow do. their fortunes closely. Um, that should be an easy three points for us. It should be. And I'll be devastated if we can't beat them at our new ground now. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't. I'm, even if you said to me I'd put my house you know, on a one winner, it had to be on Spurs of this one. Um it could be, it would be an awful travesty, especially with Son back. He'll have fresh legs. So I, I'm going. I certainly think we'll put a, a good three goals past him, and I'm, I'm going to go for a three nil. Mm-hmm. Zoe, um, I'm going to go for one nil Newcastle. Now I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I uh, you know what though? That, that is, oh, your your line's just broken up. You've, you've lost. You. <laughs> Hello, hello, can you give me hello? <laughs> oh, do you know what though? Honestly, it would just be the most 
ridiculous thing to get something away at at City and then to to lose at home to a to a struggling Newcastle. But you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you say there, David. You know, I, I can't see anything other than a than a Tottenham win in this situation. I think Liverpool. I think Newcastle have their have their own issues on and off the field, and um, they certainly uh, don't seem to be a cohesive unit as of yet. But then you you can't let underestimate any team in the Premier League. You know, any team on their day can can give you a, a fright and can put the chances away. I mean, you know, yeah, we were under the cosh for the best part of ninety minutes, and we still managed to come out with with a result. And I I. I I don't underestimate any team now in the Premier League. You know, I think I would hope that we could, especially like you say, with Sonny coming back, you know, he's going to want to hit yeah. the ground running, hopefully, and, and get himself off to a good start. And, you know, whether he comes straight back into the team, you know, anything goes with Poch at the moment. But our, our bench certainly looked a lot healthier than it did against Villa. Yeah, uh, against City and, and hopefully it will look stronger still against Newcastle so yeah. hopefully I, I would say I go I'd say 3-0 as well actually 3-0 Spurs yeah. fingers crossed I'm going to go for 5-0 it's going to be like that time when Harry Redknapp was manager and we just tore them apart in a few minutes <laughs> um, I think that they are there for the taking mm. um I just I can't see any. I think they'll try to. I think Bruce will try to get them, you know, really well organised and 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 make it difficult for us. And part of the, I just think that that they're poor. I just think that there's going to be too many gaps. I think if you take Villa, um, I think there was a surprise element. I think there was also an element of you know Villa back in the Premier League that they're going to want to impress that sort of thing. I don't see any of those sort of qualities with Newcastle. No. I think I think they're pretty poor, and I think they did very well when they had Benitez. They were punching above their weight, and that was because of the, the, the manager. Um, I don't rate Steve, Steve Bruce, and I don't rate the current Newcastle team squad, which is a shame because, like, you know, you think back of Newcastle years gone by when when uh, Bobby Robson was, was was manager in the sort of early two thousands. I think they they did very well under him. Um, I think it was criminal that 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 he got fired and, and replaced by Sunes, and you can see a steady decline uh, in the club since then. Um, I think that when they when they came back up, when they got relegated, and they came back up with um, Chrissy Hutton, I think that, that it was wrong. I, I think that they shouldn't have got rid of Hutton. I think bringing in a Pardew was a was a mistake. Although they, they did have one good season, I actually seem to recall with with Pardew. Um, Ke- the Keegan team, famously in the nineties, they were. They were great to watch, but yeah. I just look at Newcastle now and they just look. Yeah, I just don't really see it. They they don't even look like a poor team that could cause a problem or that might have they might you know be have have a good team spirit or something like that 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 can keep them going. I just don't see where the threat's going to come and and. Yeah. And I think we've got we've got too much quality. Um, let's finish off with the reoccurring questions on the podcast. Um, Zoe, as it's your first time on the podcast this season, so the two reoccurring questions are: um, firstly, from Sam Diggins, two Spurs players move into houses either side of you. Who would you like them to be? Okay, so um, I, when I read over the questions, the reoccurring questions, I I was really sort of um, racking my brains, and I thought. You know, I was thinking back of of, of Spurs um, 
players gone by. And you know, the, the, the first two players that actually jumped out into my head were uh, Tango and Dembele and Giovanni Lacelso. And the reason I say that is because I would hope that I could take them under my wing, let them know how important it is and how brilliant it is to play for this this club. And I would hope that, you know, we've had a lot of signings come in that have never really, you know, we've had a lot of Janssens and Kudus. And if I could play a small part in helping them adapt to a to a new culture, to a new country by them moving in next door to me, and and we see the best out of them, then then I'll I'll have those two uh, as my next door neighbours, please. Okay, good choice, good justification. And the the other reoccurring question it's from our own John Steggles. He says, "New White Hart Lane has been taken over by an international terrorist gang, and Daniel Levy and Potch have been taken hostage. Which three players, past or present, do you gang up with, A team style, to free them and take back the stadium?" Okay. So again, another one I was racking my brains with, with previous players. Um, so I, I, I actually, um, I actually said this. I actually read the question to my sister, and her first thought was, "Well, you want the biggest players, so you want people like Eunice Cabal or a Tom Huddleston, and you know, go for pure strength." Pure strength. And I thought, "Well, hang on a minute, that's not necessarily going to get me everywhere." So I took the question back to basics, and I thought, "Right, I'm going to need somebody that's going to." lay himself out on the line for Spurs that's going to be, you know, clever, be um, there with me through thick and thin. So I had the choice between Ledley King and Michael Dawson for my first pick. And I went for, and I went for Dawes. And I'll tell you for why. Um, Because I thought if any sort of below the belt shots hit Ledley in the knee, I I don't want to be responsible for any more injuries to that man so I've gone for Dawes as my first pick um I've then thought right we're gonna we are gonna need some brute strength in this team so I thought who was the strongest player I've ever seen play for Spurs with my own eyes and that is Moussa Dembele so I've gone for Michael Dawson Moussa Dembele and then I've I've thought well we're gonna need somebody to you know negotiate with anybody so we're going to need someone with good people skills we're going to need somebody that you know could get along with everybody so my third pick is Hung Min Sun so my three are Michael Dawson, Moussa Dembele and Hung Min Sun please. Very interesting and well thought out selection. Yeah I like that <laughs> very well <laughs> very well explained. <laughs> the question thought... is will they prevail though? Oh, without a doubt can you really see them not? I mean, Dawes would lay himself out on his own, let alone having Moussa Dembele and Sonny as backup. David, you were about to say something. No, no, I, was, I, I carry on. That's all right. I didn't have much to say to that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the next podcast we should be recording uh, will either be a week today or a week tomorrow. When do we play? We play we play Newcastle a week today, so it'll either be next Sunday evening or it will be on the bank holiday Monday. It's a public holiday in the UK. Uh, we might record it on Monday. Um, until then, all that's left for me to say is thank you, David. Well, thank you. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks, guys. And until next time, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. 
Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the base are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run onto that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight. We fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights. And when the game is done, we'll sing a song and talk it out all night. Hey! Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Pull on that lily white and run on to that green. Oh, we've seen them come, we've seen them go, the names up on our shirt. Gods have failed as men are hailed and faces in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out all the hurt.